Hi, this is Udo Dirkschneider, the singer of UDO, and you listen to Focus on Metal. Metalhead Scott here and Richie welcoming you to another week of that which we refer to as Focus on Metal and happy to be back again and happy to have Richie again back in the studio this is getting to be like a regular freaking event (laughs) don't jinx it (laughs) I know right (laughs) yeah I know jinx everything but uh yeah, got a great show for you this week. I had really never heard of this this artist, uh, that being uh, Linda Lou. She's played in a couple of different bands, but in particular right now, she's uh, out there playing with Marishi Ten. I, mean, I guess in a way, she is Marishi Ten, right? Yeah, it's it's a brand new band. Um, but it's been so, around for a couple of years. Yeah, sometimes I'm I'm kind of I'm reluctant to take on the newer bands because I don't really know a lot about them. Yeah. And I got sent the single and went back and listened to another couple of singles and... There's some good, good stuff there. Yeah. Her, she, she's female singer, of course. Yeah. Um, doesn't do the uh, the death metal grunting nope. stuff. It's more of a clean vocal. It's heavy though. Yeah, it's, she's got it's, some it's rasp good. in there, but yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not got a roll or anything. But mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it's it's cool stuff. And uh, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. Checked it out, and it was like, yeah, damn, I'm happy to have her on the show. So uh, that is what's coming up later on in the show is uh, talk with Linda Lou from uh, Marishi Ten, and hopefully. You will uh, want to go out and check out the uh, different EPs that she has put out and then maybe even drop her a line to tell her that, hey, how about doing a full-length album? And uh, just when you do that, just let her know that you heard about it right here from Richie at Focus on Metal. But uh, what else we have in store for you today is, uh, you know, a little discussion. And uh, before we even get into that, what do you say we do? Track of the Week. Can you believe it? We actually have time to stick in a track of the week this week. And this week, it's a, it's an album from a band that's uh, come up on my radar a couple times, and I don't think I've ever actually had them on the track of the week. And something about this particular release this time just really stuck with me, and I put that in the, you know, when we finally get a week when we can have track of the week, I think I'm going to play something off of this. And the band I'm talking about is uh, Swedish Rockers Crash Diet, and uh, they just put out uh, their brand new release back in September. It's their fifth studio album. It's called Rust, and uh, after that, they're also planning on doing a European tour and uh, see where else they get up to. But this one here, you know, it's got that 80s kind of arena, hard rock kind of sound. This one here starts off a little bit slow, then kicks in, and then you're going to be, oh, I get it. I see why he's playing this one for track of the week. So off of the brand new release from Crash Diet called Russ, this one is called We Are the Legion. Doors. A fine line between 
Hope you guys enjoyed that one. And uh, as always, you want to uh, support the artist. But uh, anyways, I you know have Richie down here, so why not have a little bit of discussion? And I know that uh, you know a couple weeks ago, it was I was kind of texting him to be like, "What the hell did I do wrong?" Because you know my girlfriend's out having kind of a a girls' night out with two of her best friends from I mean freaking grade school, and they're up seeing Tesla. And uh, then Richie's texting me that he's going up seeing Tesla, and I'm sitting here in the studio mixing an episode about Tesla. So it's like, what the hell went wrong? But then uh, you texted me from the venue, and uh, then I kind of didn't feel as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I knew there was something up. You weren't well, really in the details, but I figured that uh, the next time you were down here in the studio, I would find out. Yeah, well, we, I interviewed Frank Hannon. Spent yeah. half an hour on the phone with him. Had a really good chat with him. And th- they were playing up near us a few days after the interview. And we've never had anyone from Tesla on the show before. Yeah. And I'm doing the show seven years. And Yeah. Even though we've kind of been up there before, we were up there with American Dog. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. We've kind of been always on the outskirts, but never uh, never had them on the show. Yeah. yeah. So I had a nice chat with Frank, and I just happened to mention that they were playing up near us on, uh, on the weekend. And I asked about getting hooked up for a ticket. Yeah. And maybe a chance to, to, get, to get to meet the band. And the show was sold out. Oh, yeah, it always is. Yeah. Every time they play at the Hampton, yeah. it's sold out. Second time this year they've played there and they've yep. sold it out. And I think it holds like about 2,000. 1,500 anyway. Yeah, yeah. So they have a good following up there. They always sell it out. They yeah. sold it out a couple of years ago when we went up there. Yeah, absolutely. It's every single time. It's it's always sold out. And then even, and, and they come around a lot here too. That even, um, what, was it last year, two years ago, they were even up in Manchester opening for uh for Def Leppard and it was a you know, huge response mm-hmm. when they were there so even you know filling up that arena and you know tons of Tesla fans so uh you know not much not much reaction for Poison and tons of reaction so it was kind of like oh you went to that didn't you yeah I did oh, yeah we, yeah we had great seats but uh, yeah it was like it was tons of reaction to Tesla and then Poison it was like yeah and then you know back again with the great reaction for uh, for Def Leppard. So you kind of see the the they, they have a huge following here for whatever reason. Even Frank was puzzled about it. Mm. But I couldn't get hooked up with a ticket because it yeah. was sold out. Which but is weird because usually they have comps. Yeah, you know. But I think it, when the show is sold out, they, they have an X amount of comps. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that radio station up there uh, was probably sponsoring them, and they probably got a few, and then other people get a few. Yeah. And um, there was none left. Yeah. But I was told I could do the meet and greet. Yeah. Um, but bear in mind now, before I get into this, I didn't pay for any of this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I was told to go to the venue for four o'clock. Yeah. And the meet and greet was 4.30. So I arrive up there at about 10 minutes to four. Uh-huh. And I go up to the box office and I said to the girl at the box office, is this where I meet, I meet, meet outside when, for the meet and greet? Yeah. And said, yeah, just stand over there and there'll be someone out in about 15, 20 minutes uh-huh. to bring you in. And I'm standing there and these two other guys are standing there. And one of them just happened to say to me, are you here for the meet and greet? And I said, yeah. 
And he said, oh, great, me too. So I'm not the only person standing around like an <laughs> idiot. At about 10, ma- 10 minutes past four, this guy comes out. And he asked the three of us, are we here for the meet and greet? And we said, yes. And he said, uh, they're running a little bit late. They're, band- they're just starting their sound check now. And yeah. you can hear them. Like, it's try going boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom. You know, the usual shit. Yeah. And uh, he said, I'll be down at about 4.30. Yeah. maybe a little bit later than that and I'll bring you guys upstairs and he said by the way he said there's only five of you here doing the meet and greet and um, so he came he came down at about 20 to 22 and there was five people there and me Yeah. so six of us and he had the list and of course my name was written in sharpie on it uh-huh. because the other people had forked out for sure. the meet and greet right. and I was added in at the last minute Yeah. and he had shopping bags for all of us, uh-huh. Tesla shopping bags with the logo on and black yeah. shopping bags. And in the bag, there was a signed 8 by 10 photo by the five of them uh-huh. and a VIP lanyard. Yeah. And he handed me two bags. I was a plus one. Yeah. So they brought us up the stairs and into the venue. Uh, we didn't go near where the stage is further down. So we're standing there and we could see the band on the stage. Yeah. And we're talking to the merch guy and asking him, you know, he ended up being the merch guy. Yeah. And we're asking him a couple of questions. It wasn't Frank's dad, was it? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> he, could, he, couldn't, he couldn't answer all the questions. Like, he was a really, really nice guy, though. Yeah. So we're standing there, and eventually we get the okay to be brought down in front of the stage. Yeah. And the six of us are standing there. There's nobody in the venue other uh-huh. than a couple of staff and yeah. the guys on the mixing board. Right. And the band play, um, is it tied to the tracks from the new record? Uh-huh. The one that actually sounds like old Tesla. Uh-huh. And that was really good. And then they did half of what you give. Yeah. I think Jeff was having a, a problem with a part of it. And so they ran through that, I think. They went up to the chorus, I think, twice. Yeah. And then, and then that was it. Yeah. And then they had a curtain on the floor with the logo on the front of it. The yeah. Tesla logo. Yeah. So we were told to stand behind that. Yeah. Um, so the band left the stage and we're all standing there. And this girl comes over and she says, uh, okay, um, you all know the deal with, with the meet and greet. You've all read the, the rules and the regulations. And of course I hadn't. Yeah. Cause I'm on the, I, I didn't pay for it. Right. Um, she said, first of all, um, there's no autographs at all. And of course I brought my great radio controversy vinyl. It was the one thing I had with me. Yeah. Um, hoping to get it signed by the four guys. Yeah. And, she said, you've already got an 8 by 10 so you've already got something signed, so there's no autographs at all. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. I was a little bit pissed at that. Um, you can't take your own photographs. They're done for you. Yeah. So they had a guy, I think it might have been the road manager himself, they had a camera, they had everything set up, really yeah. nice, really nice setup. Um, so what, what I'll do is, I'll take the bag off you that we gave you with the 8 by 10 and the lanyard in mm-hmm. it. You walk around the front, you get your photograph taken. You walk around the other side of the of the, the curtain. Mm-hmm. I'll give you your bag and then you walk out the door there. Basically, yeah. you're done. Uh-huh. Right? So I was last. Yeah. And um, they all went up and I'd say they were all 20 seconds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Honest to God, 20 seconds. Take your bag out. Next person, 20 seconds. Take your bag out. Yeah. Um, so when I went up, when I got up, it was uh, Dave Rude was the first guy. Mm-hmm. Shook his hand, said hello. He's really nice. Brian Wheat, nice. 
Jeff Keat was nice as well. Mm-hmm. And then Troy was next to him. I shook his hand and then Frank. But I, Frank had no idea who I was. Yeah. Right? Um, and I got two photographs taken uh-huh. and that was it. Yeah. And then as I was walking down, Frank was at the end on, uh-huh. on the other end. So I stopped and I, I said, Frank, by the way, I'm, I'm Richie. I'm the guy who spoke to you, did the interview. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that was a very good interview. You asked some good, really good questions. You know, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. 20 seconds, done. Uh-huh. Right? And everyone else had left. at yeah. that. No, no, there was one person left. They were on the way out. Yeah. And the girl handed me the bag. And I said to her, listen, I said, I've got one thing in there, one album. And the, the band were still standing right there behind the other side. Yeah. Is there any chance you can just walk in and get them to sign it for me? Yeah. I can't. Sorry, yeah. I can't do that. And I'm like, okay. And then I left. Yeah. And when I when when I looked at the the rules and the regulations for the VIP, because they, what what happened was they post the pictures on a website. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the website was, so one of the guys who was in line with me sent me a text. Yeah. So the VIP was, uh, it was a ticket in the first three rows. They actually gave you, the co- a concert ticket was part of it, which is unusual, right? Yeah. Um, Hampton is standing only, so there's yep. no seats, yeah. so that, that's null and void. Uh, it did say you couldn't take any pictures, and it did say no autographs, no exceptions. Yeah. Um, the autograph thing I found a little bit disappointing because... Normally, they're limited to two things because you know yourself. You'll have people, if, if they see that, they'll fucking bring everything. Mm-hmm. Every fucking single, every 12-inch, every vinyl, and they'll fucking plonk it in front of someone. Yeah. And it'll, it'll not only piss that person off, it'll piss everybody else yeah, off. Yeah, but you got that, and then you got people that just do it, and then they get all this stuff autographed, and then they just all they do is turn around and they sell it. Yeah, on eBay. Yeah. You know? um, the signed 8x10 is fine. If you're paying to actually meet Tesla... You have to assume that you're a pretty big fan and that you probably got into them when they were big in the 80s and early 90s. And you, yeah. that's the stuff you want to get signed. I have a nice picture at home now, 2019 Tesla signed by the five of them. Yeah, I've got great radio controversy. I, per, personally, I'd much rather get that fucking signed because yeah. I've had that for 30 years. I had the picture for fucking three days or four. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just got it. Yeah. Six people, five band members, and there was really no environment there to talk to any of them, even for five minutes. I found that a little bit disappointing. If, if there was 50 people, I'd say, fine. There's no point in the band standing there for, and, and asking, you know, being asked questions and all that. Yeah. But there was fucking six of us. You know what I mean? It, it's, uh, well, I mean... You're in a band too. You're you're, you're traveling. You're sleeping on a bus. You you, you get sick easy. You, you know, once you get sick, you're fucked. And, you know, I could see why they probably want to limit some exposure to people. You know, because shit goes around and yeah, it, you, fucks up your whole tour. You get sick. Oh, I know that. You know, five minutes. Yeah. The people in the, the there's people walking around the venue that work there. And it's close to, you know, I think what, they were like, that's like four dates to the end of the tour, too? I'm, I have no idea what... Yeah, I think it's like a couple dates were, were, were left and that was it, yeah. I just find if you have that small number of people, and you basically have one band member for every person, yeah. five minutes isn't going to kill them. Yeah. We were, just, we were literally told, stand there, stand here, here's your bag, go. Yeah. I'm, there's a lot of meet and greets that are like that. Oh, I understand I mean, that. it can be... 
I mean, not all of them, though. Shit, back in the 80s, you, you did a meet and greet with Jimmy Page. They literally would put him on a fucking two-wheeler, and he'd go by and like just look at you, and they go, you've met Jimmy Page. No, I know. <laughs> I know, but I, I was just a little bit disappointed with it, and one or two of the other people were as well, and they paid. Yeah. Um, the band were lovely. When yeah. I met them, they were really nice, you know, yeah. shook out the whole lot. But you just weren't given a chance to actually... And some of it might not even be up to them. They might be up to management. I understand. Like, That's what you know, I'm saying. This I, is what you're going to, you know, can totally be that too. I understand. It's, you, hear, you hear stories about great meet and greets and then horror ones. This one wasn't a horror one. Um, I, was, I was just a little bit disappointed in it. That the autograph thing, yes, I, I think... Any act like that, that's more or less a nostalgia act. People are, want to, are going to want to get stuff signed. And if you're going to pay to meet them, uh, I think you should autograph stuff, even limit it. Maybe one thing, maybe two things. But you should have the option of bringing something in to get signed. Yeah. I mean, so every band's different. You know, like, look at all the people that went for, that did the Primal Fear meet and greet. All right. If, if, if we hadn't been hanging out with the band all freaking afternoon, took them out for dinner... I mean, yeah, we literally spent hours with them. Yeah, but, but they didn't even know what was happening. But when we did the meet and greet, it was like, it was pretty much go up, get a photo taken, screw. I mean, it was it really no different than te- than Tesla's. We just didn't look at it that way because, like we said, we literally spent hours with them in a freaking bar difference. and then at a restaurant. Big difference. You didn't pay for the Primal Fear meet and greet. I'm sure there's plenty of people there that did pay for it. We didn't, just like you didn't. But we, did, we didn't pay I for it. I don't think you had to pay for it because they didn't even know there was one. I'm sure the other people that were there, they, they paid to do a meet and greet. You think so? Otherwise, they would have had shitloads of people. If it, was a, if it was free, everybody from outside would have been in there. Maybe. But they, but they didn't. I just remember the band saying that they didn't even know there was one. There was only a certain number of us that were, that were allowed in to do it. That was it. Hmm. And those people, I'm sure they paid to do a meet and greet. <laughs> and that's all they got. Basically, no different. Yeah. You just hear these horror stories. I've never paid for one, and I don't think I would pay for one. Uh-huh. Um, what about you? I've never had to, and pretty much doing stuff like this, I've, it's like, you know, it, sometimes we get, we can get a generic, just, you know, whatever hang, and other times we, you know, you spend a lot of time with the band just because of what we do. Mm-hmm. Just don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, I've been doing you know, local crew and shit like that for a long time. So it just it doesn't really, you know, doesn't register on my radar that much. True. You know? True. I've seen some horror ones. I've, I've, and there's people that pay, there's ones out there that their people pay serious, serious ass money. Kiss. Aussie. You know? I, yeah. need a, I need the arena. Def Leppard. Yeah. Def Leppard are pay big a money lot too. of money and it's not going to be really much different. No. That's true. I, the one I heard is great is uh, Marty Friedman's one. When he came through, you go yeah. on the bus with him and you spend about half an hour just talking to him, uh-huh. asking him questions and and that kind of a deal. I'm like when you meet the guys, I'm not looking for, you know, a few beers and a hang. Yeah, ten minutes, five minutes wouldn't kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I. I, I Maybe I'm, my standards are too high, and but if you're meeting a band at five o'clock and you're literally being whisked down the line and told to piss off and the band aren't on stage till nine, what are they going to be doing? 
<laughs> going to be eating. They're going to be showering. They're Come on, four hours? Kicking back. Yeah. I know. Five minutes? Give oh. the fans five minutes, for God's sake. Maybe not the singer, but the rest of them. Huh? I, I, it's a, you know, it's a different, it's a different life. It's, it's, you know, you gotta, there's a headspace you have to be in. This, this, you just don't yeah, but it, to it, walk it, up there. It's a competitive business. Music. Now there's so many acts out on tour and a lot of the acts, especially at the club level, uh, they all say that the meet and greet is a big part of the revenue stream that they get for gigs. Yeah. Um, so you better be on your game at the meet and greet, you know, because once it get, if you do crappy meet and greets, you've heard stories about Ace Freely doing them, that he's basically like uh-huh. grumpy fucker, right? Yeah. Um, when, if you're paid to meet people, you, you should be professional, be on your best behavior and uh, act nice. Which the band were. I'm not going to lie. The band were really nice yeah. when, I, when I was when I you know shook their hand and all that. But yeah, I was just I was just hoping, and one or two of the other people said it to me. They were hoping for a little bit more time to just maybe talk to him for a minute, and I don't think that's a lot to ask, to be honest. You know, and it might be a little different too if you didn't have the. You know, there's a lot of these VIPs too. They don't include the ticket. You're paying the, for the ticket, and then you're adding the meet and greet on top of that too. And this, you know, included a ticket. I don't know how much they paid, but right if you're. If you're paying for a ticket and a ticket says you're in the first three rows and it's standing only, you're not getting what you yeah, paid well, for. But you should. So you can add, you can maybe do something the casino, at the other end. You clearly, no, you're not going to get a freaking seat unless it tells you this table. So, and not every show there is is standing. You have to look. No, I know that Tesla shows have always been standing. You know, we've been at Foreigner, I think, and not we were at Foreigner. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was seating. Was, that was seating. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's. It doesn't really bother me. I wouldn't. I don't pay for them anyways. No, I know it's that. Either I'm there or I'm not, and it's like whatever. And I don't know. Usually, as a musician, I'm just used to musicians kind of freaking talk to me anyways. True. So it's like it's like a club. We're all shitty assholes. <laughs> I don't know. Nikki must have got their spot then because she got some great pictures for us. And videos. And I walked out and some girl said to me, Did you, do you have anything extra? And I just handed her the other bag with the uh-huh. 8 by 10 and the lanyard and said, there you go. Are you serious? I was like, yeah. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Take it. So what else is on your mind? Uh, Udo. Udo. Yeah. U- yeah. Udo. Uh, I can't remember how many years ago we had him on. You had him on. Yeah, it was good. That was a good chat we had with him. Um, but uh, Colin, I think it was at his son's house or something. Kind of mm. messed me up. But yeah. He's done... A couple of runs of uh, accept shows now, yeah. Uh, tours, yeah. And I caught the last one. Um, I think I think Dustin hooked me up with a ticket in the in the Palladium, and he was fucking superb. Yeah, uh, there was hardly anybody there. Really disappointing. They put him on in the big hall, and um, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and he'd been out saying that it, this was it with accept songs. Yeah, yeah, I remember um, he him did, he talking did, about that. Yeah, yeah. He did a run once, and then he decided to do it again, and um, he changed up the set a little bit. Yeah. So he went a little bit deeper into the catalogue, and that was it. He was done. Yeah. And, of course, now he's come out saying he's doing the whole of the Metal Heart album at Fakken next <laughs> year. 
And I'm thinking, yeah, but it's Vakin. I mean, people will do something different there. And, and you know, he might have told Thomas, hey, that, you know, may, or even maybe Thomas said, hey, it would be a great thing if you did this. And it would be, you know, so it's an event. You know, you always with Vakin. I mean, every, everybody's got to up their game for Vakin, right? You just can't go out there and do your normal thing anymore. So he's probably like, well, you know, rather than just going out and doing Udo stuff, if this is going to be, you know, cause a huge buzz, it'll help, it'll help Vakin. It, you know, I, I mean, you have to bring your, not even your A, you've got to bring your, like, your triple A game to Vakin, especially yeah. now. Yeah, but can you believe anything any of these guys say anymore? It doesn't mean he's going out and doing a whole other tour of it. It's like it could be a, just a singular thing. You reckon? I don't think it's... Why not? If, that's if, the, if that goes down well, he's going to tour it. Maybe not. I no, mean, he he's getting up there. He doesn't probably even want to do like massive, grueling tours. But if he can do a one-off like this, why not? Why would he want to do... Metal heart. Why can't he just say, I, I've already said, I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm, I'm going to do all like my Because like I said, it's an, it's an event. Why not? Why not do it? No, I don't. Come on, he's big enough there anyway to go and do his own stuff. He's competing against everybody else on those bills. Why not go and say, they're like, oh, it's not just, oh, I'm going to see Udo. It's like, I'm going to see Udo and... He's doing this, and maybe he's, this is the only time we're ever going to see him freaking do this thing again. So why not? Creates a huge Except buzz, and people get into it. it. <laughs> and then he said that was it. Okay, let me put it to you this way then. If your fucking living is doing those songs, and all of a sudden you find out, oh, I'm fucked for cash, are you going to go, nope, I said I didn't do it. I'm going to just fucking go down the shithole, and I'm not doing them ever again. No, well, then just don't say it in the first place. Uh, well, how do you know? I mean, sh- situations could have changed. It's not our business whether they did or not, hmm. right? No, I so don't- are you gonna just going to go, well, nope, fuck myself, just because I said it? Or are you going to all of a sudden tell everybody every, your, all, all your freaking business so that they go, oh, I understand now? It's like... No, shit happens with people. No, I know, but I don't think he should go and, and be so, you know, straight. You know, so what's the word I'm looking for? So like concrete and say I'm not doing it anymore. I'm sure when and he said. I'm sure when he's when he said it, he probably freaking meant it. But again, it's how the guy makes his living. So something else might have changed, or like I said, he decided he got asked to do it. And it was going to be a, a big thing for Vakin, so why not do it? So do you think they told... So would they, you rather that he just goes, no. nope, fuck it, and, and so we do, never experience no, that I again? I didn't say that. I said, so do you think he he went to the promoter and said, I'll do Metal Heart, or the promoter said, you're playing, but you have to do accept? The promoter could have just said, hey, what do you think about doing this? And he was like, oh, great idea. Could have been anything. I don't think it's going to be a one-off, but that's just me. Well, I mean, we'll see. But like I said, if it's guy, the guy makes his living. So if that's what's going to help him, then I can't blame him for for doing it. But I think when he when he announced it, I'm sure he fully intended that. Yeah, that was it. And maybe he had something going on. Maybe there was some something with his health or something with his voice or whatever. And he didn't think he was going to be able to do it anymore. I mean, freaking Leo Fender sold Fender because he was had this sinus infection he couldn't get rid of for like over five years, and he thought he was dying. And that's when he decided to sell the company. And then four years later, he felt freaking fine. And he wished he'd never had done it. <laughs> shit changes. But yeah, he got a new doctor. They put him on new medication. And all of a sudden, all the shit that was wrong with him just cleared up. But he didn't have his company anymore. Hmm. Like, had a lot of money, though, didn't he? He did, but if you think about it. <laughs> but the thing is, is that he really he wanted the company. 
Mm. He much rather would have had the, would would have done that. Yes, it was you know him and Don Randall. They worked their asses off. Yes, they 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 made a nice chunk of change. But again, he would he's the guy who and actually even Don Randall would have liked to have just continued on, and and just had that company. Uh, and they you know they weren't happy with the things that happened afterwards, and and he wished he never sold it. But his health said, you know, everyone thought he was going to freaking die. So if an artist comes out now and says something like Udo said that this is it, I'm not playing those songs ever again. Would you believe any of them anymore and say, fuck, I have to go? Or would you just say, that's a load of shite. They're going to be back doing it in a couple of years anyway. I mean, who's to say Kiss isn't going to come back? I don't know. Well, I I said they're they're not. I don't think. But I went because I knew the show was going to be freaking great. Oh, man. I am like, I'm an aggravating asshole tonight, aren't I? Wow. (laughs) Life is getting to me, man. All these late nights, early yeah, mornings. Just, yeah, it's just been a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, too, uh, again, big thanks to, to Brian for uh, for Brian Heaton for giving us that American Soldier thing too. That was yeah, good. Jason was Jason was good. Yeah, uh, just again, hey Brian, thank you so much. That uh, that was definitely a a week where I pr- wasn't in the headspace to put an entire show together, and you like dropped this awesome thing into my lap. So uh, um, good stuff, and uh, you couldn't ask for better. And like I told you on Twitter, like. You bring the interview, we'll air it. Uh, great stuff. So, uh, you know, consider yourself kind of a honorary co-host. And again, big thanks. Yeah, I was actually talking to him today. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I speak to him every couple of weeks. Awesome. We talk Queensryche a lot. <laughs> I imagine. Wow. <laughs> stuff that I can't air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about doing one more thing about Queensryche, me and him. Uh-huh. Maybe if you're around, the three of us can do it. And... uh we're thinking of maybe having a discussion on Q2K. Ah. Because uh, he's very knowledgeable when it comes to the band. Yeah. it's like I said, you know, Queensryche is, you know, they're kind of near and dear to my heart because just, you know, when that first album came out and it's literally, I get it over there on vinyl. Um, you know, when I first heard that, it was like, holy crap. And, you know, I hadn't had no familiarity with them. It was one of these things of like looking through the stacks and going, well, this looks like a pretty black album cover. I think I'll get it. Band sounds cool. It's got umlauts. Can't go wrong. <laughs> Bring it home, and I'm like, shit, this is pretty damn awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I I played the shit out of it, and you know, and just they just from there they just you know they they got really better and better, and then they kind of then they yeah then they, then they didn't, <laughs> and um, then all of a sudden uh, you know they get Todd came back and they did again, and uh, they haven't really let me down since then. But but then again, I do have to say that. Um, you know, the last thing that, that Jeff put out was actually really good, too. Sweet Surprisingly oblivion. so. Yeah. Very good. You know, really good. I know I've been bashing the shit out of him. Despite but, uh, what he did, according to the guitar player. Yeah. Did you read that? No, no. Uh, that came out a little while ago. Um, they sent him over the, the, the stuff to sing on. Uh-huh. And this, he sent all this stuff back, like, and head scratch and stuff, like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh-huh. And, uh and how dare getting, he's getting messages back saying how dare you speak to Jeff you know do you not know who he is and blah 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 and uh, I don't think it was a very pleasant experience for, uh, the, for the guys who uh, played the actual music uh, uh, even well, the album's good I'm hoping that what, we're, in March we're going to go up and see him do uh, uh, Empire yeah and oh, that should be cool order. yeah small small venue and uh, of course right I, I mean I buy the tickets and they're I mean they're, they're good because it's a small venue anyway so pretty much every seat's good but then 
what, like two days later after I buy them, they put a second show on. They always do <laughs> for like, him. His shows do well. Yeah. I know he's playing small venues, but yeah. he, he does well. He but t- that first one was out there for a long time. He tours a lot. You know? So I was surprised that I, I had no expectation they were going to launch a second one at that point. Because usually if they do it up there, it, it happens pretty quickly. But that's, that was all on sale for a couple months. and uh, He's... He's kind of backing himself into a corner very quickly because he's doing mind crime now, and then he's doing Empire and Rage for Order. Like, yeah. Where the fuck's he going to go after that? I don't know. Don't do, know. Do the key, the trilogy, <laughs> dedicated to chaos. I just, I just think, <laughs> I think that you know these are definitely two great ones to, to, uh, to do you know, and to actually to go see. So I'm looking forward to it. I know, uh, but is he not? shooting himself in the foot by doing both albums on the same night that he should maybe put one in his back pocket and maybe do it next year or, or the year after that. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. But eh. He'd do Mind Crime again. Mind Crime 2. Uh, I just figured, <laughs> hey, whatever. We'll see two in one night. I'm you bring, not going to You bring Jason Slater out with him. I doubt it. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> But, uh, hey, we got a, we got a great, great artist tonight. Uh, like I said, way the hell back at the beginning of the show, uh, Linda Liu uh, launched a, a new band a few years ago called Marishi 10. And she'll even explain what the hell Marishi 10 is because, like oh, yeah, Richie, I had no idea what it was. Uh, but I suppose if I had actually looked at the videos, looked at the artwork from the EPs, maybe use Google, um, I would have figured it out or Google would have figured it out for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, really good stuff. I was, I was actually... You know, you hear Marishi Ten, and I was thinking, what kind of like hippie freaking name is this? But then you hear the music and stuff, and it's like, wow, this is pretty good. It's 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 riffy, and the, you know, the vocals riding on top of it, and uh, yeah, I just thought it was pretty cool. So, uh, what do you say we roll the interview with Linda? Mm, this is when I did four interviews in three days. Yeah, you're a trooper. That was a lot of fun, <laughs> and they all at least they all called when they're supposed to. There you Otherwise go. Otherwise, they're fucked. There you go. <laughs> This is Linda. Hi, Linda. It's Richie. How are you? Uh, I'm good, Richie. How are you doing today? Very good. So, where are you? Los Angeles. Okay. I'm, um... It's early. Yeah. <laughs> you had your coffee? I have it right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> We're slowly going to get there through this interview. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty new to the band, so a lot of questions are probably just going to be pretty general. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody's new to the band, so... Yeah. <laughs> I think general questions are fine. <laughs> Have you been doing a lot of press? Uh, just a bit, actually. This is the first time I really started with it. But, but uh, you know, it is a new band. Um, even though we have some material released, it's really just an EP and then a, a couple of singles. So we have not released a full-length record yet. Um, so basically everything that's been happening up until now has just been, like, kind of organic and friends spreading the word and some people taking interest because they they remembered my last band that I was in um, that got some press. Uh, so, yeah, this is, like, very new to me, just doing the podcasts and, and interviews and all that good stuff. But I love it. Like, I mean, anybody who's willing to play the song, I'm thrilled to talk to. So. Mm, okay. So <laughs> yeah. are, are you someone, then, that still wants to be in a band with a band name rather than go out as yourself? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um I really have always like loved bands that even if I know that there's one person who's the driving force between a band, I just, I like, I love the, the imagery that's created around bands and I love, you know, 
being able to kind of make like a mess and, you know, make something that's bigger than me. So I'm always about that for sure. Hmm. So are you someone who's been singing from a very early age? Yeah. Uh, so I started singing um, really when I was a child. That was like the first instrument that I discovered I had. Um, and then started playing guitar when I was maybe about like 15, um, 14, 15. And uh, that was something, you know, I was always like a band geek in school and stuff. So I've always been involved with music. But as soon as I started playing guitar, that's when I really started like exploring songwriting because I had something where I could create music and use my voice too. Um, and guitar has always been my primary instrument that I wrote. A lot of people write on like, you know, piano and stuff too. And I always start with riffs and then singing. Hmm. So did you get a lot of vocal training when you were young? Um, I wouldn't say I got a lot of formal training. I mean, I went to public school and I always sang in choir and I usually, you know, like the, the people in school that I connected with and the teachers, you know, that I had the best kind of experiences with were always, you know, the, the choral director, the band director in my school. Um, but I really didn't have a lot of formal training. I didn't go to school for music. Um, I actually went to college for marketing, which I really don't use at all. Um, and, um, yeah, it wasn't until the first time I actually saw a vocal coach was probably a few years into starting this all girl band that I had, um, that was like very like ACDC style rock. And, um, we were going to start touring and I wanted to just have my voice kind of be able to hold up on stage. So that was the first time that I like sought out a vocal coach, um, to kind of strengthen my voice. And I, I love getting coaching if I, if, if it's in the cards, if I can do it and afford it, you know, but, um, but I don't have a lot of formal music training. I'm pretty much self-taught. Same thing with the music production. Um, the past, maybe about eight years ago, I was like, okay, I need to start learning how to use Pro Tools and have a better understanding of production so my songwriting can grow. And that's really when Marie She Ten took off because I was like, oh, wait a second, you know, I can really like compose and make more thoughtful music in front of the computer than I can just like jamming in a room. Hmm. It's interesting you brought up the songwriting because I interviewed a girl the other day, uh, Abby Kay. She's 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And she went to band camp, and one of the things they taught her in band camp was how to write songs. You seem to be right. someone who just picks up the guitar and writes. You don't necessarily want someone to show you what to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had the really fortunate experience of being, you know, in situations in studios and stuff where I get to kind of watch other people write, and then, um, you know picking up little things when you work with a producer, suggestions and things that you'll do that kind of open up your eyes to things. But um, I've always naturally just gravitated towards songwriting. And with me, you know, there's a lot of like guitar players who kind of focus so much on, and I'm not saying this is necessarily something that makes me better by any means. In some ways it has made me worse, but um, I always kind of just like wanted to learn what I could learn fast enough to put it into a song. So, um, you know, a lot of like guitar players will like kind of be working so much on like their speed and their skill. And that's so admirable. And I'm so lazy with it. It's like, I just, I want to learn what I can learn in order so that I can like immediately insert it into a song. Hmm. That's always kind of been like my, my driving force to anything out, you know? Mm -hmm. So, So Linda, do you like collaborating when it comes to songwriting or do you like to just write yourself? Um, I really like both, honestly. I mean, I always think I can learn from someone. Um, so I do like collaborating. I haven't had the opportunity to do too much of it. I hope that it's something that I get to do more of. Um, 
But, uh, and then, you know, certainly, like, when I work with different musicians, um, there is definitely, like, a give and take there. Um, you know, I mean, for instance, like, when I work on songs for Marisha Ten, you know, I'll kind of, I'll creepy program the drums, um, but then we'll go and do some, like, you know, pre-production and working on the song with my drummer, and he'll bring an entirely different perspective and he'll think of things rhythmically that I wouldn't and make suggestions and then that will kind of like snowball into some changes in the songs and so there's always there's always an element of collaboration even though it starts with like okay here's the riff here's the vocal melody this is what this next part's going to be you know there's always a collaborative element to it Mm. are you someone who finds it easy to let songs go that you're you're always second guessing yourself thinking you can always make it better Yes and no. I mean, there is certainly a lot of there are folders on my hard drive full of songs that maybe have like a verse and a chorus or like some, you know, B part or something that I just chased around for too long and decided to walk away from. And maybe one of those riffs will find its way back into another song later. But I do think that when a song's really good, it usually I don't have to fight it too much. Like it will come together. Um, so I'll walk away from something that just, you know, if it's if it's making me kind of spin around in circles too long. And that's one of the beautiful things about being able to write at home. You just, it's never a waste. You know, you're not wasting any money. So I can, I can work on a song for a few hours and if it doesn't come together, it doesn't come together. I'm not wasting anybody's time. I'm just getting to explore something, you know. Hmm. So, so when the band got together, um, did you have a vision of how the band would sound and you got the musicians to fit that or did it just all come together organically? Uh, it didn't really come together organically. I the, the way that the band started, I didn't, like I said, I didn't even have an understanding really of how to operate Pro Tools yet. And I knew I wanted to start the band. I knew I, what I wanted to call the band. I had an idea of what I initially wanted the music to sound like. And so I wrote a couple of songs and I wrote them on GarageBand and <laughs> using like drum loops and stuff. And I did about five songs and then I started sending those songs around to and asking around, you know, for people to play with, sending those songs to people and seeing if they liked them. And then there were a couple people who did and we started playing together. Um, that's how the EP came about. Then I played some, you know, played some live shows, did Kickstarter, raised a little bit of money for an EP. Um, but, you know, I have to be honest, I found it really, really hard to keep a band together and kind of to keep progressing in the same direction. And, you know, that's like not an unusual experience for a lot of musicians, especially in L.A., where it's like people are transient and they're in and out and they're trying to do a lot of different things. Um, and I just kind of made a decision like a few years back that I had that vision that was really strong and that no matter what happened or what other people's lives what direction they were going in I was just going to keep going forward with it um, and that's how the next couple songs came about because I didn't have a solid lineup but I had a solid idea and I thought I had solid songs in my opinion at least so um, I was like screw it I'm just going to record them and then I'm going to make some videos and I'm going to get the art together and I'm going to get the imagery together and I'm going to put it out there and see if anybody likes it and so far, the response has been pretty good, so I'm just going to keep going with that. Hmm. I have to ask you, where did you come up with the name of the band? Oh, okay. So Marishi Ten is a warrior goddess. It's a samurai goddess. Um, the mythology behind it, so it was, I'm a big mythology geek. Um, so I 
I just, I love the story of it. I mean, basically she was this warrior goddess and she renders armies, uh, you know, with fearlessness. She makes them invisible, but they're not really invisible. They're invisible because they have no fear. Um, and I just, everything about the power behind it was like, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want to embody when I'm writing these songs and when I'm showing them to everyone. Hmm. And one of the things I notice about the songs that I've heard so far, um, you use clean vocals more more or less on all of them. And there's a ten- there's a tendency now in hard rock and metal for the female vocalist to use the clean and the guttural part of their voice. Yeah. Um, are you going to go that road or are you just going to keep doing the vocals that you do now? I mean, you never know. There's a little bit of exploration into it. And if you go, like, I mean, a song like this last single that we had, Enemy Now, there's a little bit of screaming in it. Um, there's actually some, you know, I like to do some tricky things when it comes to layering the vocals. And um, occasionally there'll be, like, a very slight guttural sound that's kind of in the mix under there to give something body. Um, some of the background vocals have a little bit of a, a guttural, like, essence to them. But it's not something I've ever done in the forefront. I would never limit myself and say that I would never go there. Um, but it hasn't been something that's just naturally happened. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think, and it's funny, people are really mixed about it. There was a time, at least in my lifetime, when everybody was so shocked to hear female guttural vocals. And now, like you said, it's almost like people are shocked to not hear them. So, you know, I don't know what seems like... Um, something that's not crazy seems to be something that's like kind of setting the music apart right now that I'm not doing it. So, yeah, I think you know. you're, I think you're right. I'm personally, I'm not a guttural vocal person at all. When it comes to uh-huh. that, when it comes to that sort of metal, I, I like to hear melody, especially in the vocals. Um, yeah. I mean, I enjoy singing, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, but I, I mean, I do, I have a huge OPEC fan and there's a real that's like perfect back and forth situation.
So, so tell me about playing live shows. Um, how many songs have, do you have in your set? Um, you know, it really depends on how far back I want to go right now. I mean, we definitely have a full EP's worth, um, the singles that are released. I actually have another song that's completely finished and recorded that I'm deciding whether or not I want to be a part of a larger release or if I want to release another single before the end of this year again um, and do another video, which is entirely a possibility. And uh, But, you know, we definitely have a... a all our songs are pretty long too. We definitely have a full set of you know forty five minutes to an hour. That's that we can do. So, hmm. so the material's there. <laughs> the material's there. Hmm. Do you play covers? Um, I, we have played covers. There isn't anything right now that I'd say I'm like jumping out about. But what are the covers that we've done? Um, uh, we did a Wasp cover. Wasp. Uh, Which song? Yeah. Uh, we did LOD, which sounded really awesome. Oh, lo- uh, love Machine, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice, nice. I did a little Love Machine. Um, God, what else did we do? Uh, we did Danzig, Got the Demon. Um, what else did we do? Oh, uh, Blackout, Scorpions. I love the Scorpions. And then I kind of screw myself that when I do like Scorpions or Priest covers, they're, they're my favorite bands. I sing and I play guitar. So I'm always like, oh, we got to do this cover. And then I realize that I have to play guitar and sing. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> is it? And I do it anyway. Linda, is it tough uh, singing songs like that are done by men? Like Blackie Lawless is a very unique voice. Klaus Mina has a very unique voice. Yeah, but also really, really melodic. And like, um, there's a lot of like vibrato in his voice and stuff. And I think it kind of works. And I have a very big, rangy voice. So a lot of like the 80s, you know, um, like the hard rock and classic rock that I absolutely adore seems to work really well with my voice because a lot of those male vocalists sang in a higher range. And then I'm a woman who sings in a lower range. So we kind of meet in the middle. Hmm. And it just works. Mm. You know, I used to love, we used to do the female band that I was in, we would do um, priest covers now and again because I love priests so much and I never had a problem with those. So it might be a thing. It might work. <laughs> <laughs> so who are your biggest vocal influences? Uh, well, I love Ozzy and that's one of the reasons why I really, you know, do kind of the melodic stuff. And I, I think uh, like a lot of my vocal phrasing kind of naturally comes from listening to a lot of Sabbath and Ozzy. Um, I love Metallica. Um, and anytime I do something that's a little bit more like rhythmic with my singing, that's probably definitely influenced by listening to a lot of Metallica. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, a huge Priest fan. So the thing that's odd too, it's like, I don't have your goals are hard to cover some, you know, male vocalists. That's kind of who I've been emulating my whole life because I haven't really there aren't a lot of female vocalists in the genres of music that I listen to that I really gravitated towards. I mean, I love Fleetwood Mac. I love Stevie Nicks. I wouldn't necessarily say I sing like her. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think my definitely my vocal styling has been borrowed from all of the male vocalists that I grew up loving. Mm. So you mentioned Stevie Nicks there. So mm-hmm. who, what female vocalists outside the rock genre do you, do you look up to like is there anyone in, in pop or R&B or anything like that that's been a big influence on you uh truly not really <laughs> you know I know that's that's like hard for a lot of people to grasp but um I mean I'm just such a hard rock and metal listener um and 
Yeah, I mean, gosh, it's like until somebody really asks you the question, you don't necessarily think about it. But uh, yeah, other other than than Fleetwood Mac, not a lot. I mean, I listen to a lot of like uh, dark wave and you know, kind of like gothy stuff too. And I love I love Susie and the Banshees. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, don't I don't really emulate that in my singing. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Like I'll talk to a lot of musicians, and sometimes they'll throw an influence out there, and it's like, whoa, I don't hear that. And they they'd say, well, you're not going to hear it because I don't sound like them. That doesn't mean I don't actually like them. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Hmm. So let's let's talk about the single uh, "Enemy" now for for a minute. Yeah. Why that song as a single? Um, you know, I just had a lot of fun with it, and it was something that was a little bit different for me. It was the first time that I used a baritone guitar um, to create the riff or something, and I just I thought it was so fun. Um, I really, really loved the message behind the song too. It was the song was kind of inspired by um, samurai death poetry. I know it sounds kind of morbid, but it was. And um, it just kind of, to me, it helped tell the story of, like, the mythology behind the band that maybe not everyone had grasped yet. Um, and uh, and I, I thought that the, the lyrics behind the song did kind of explain the idea behind the band and, like like I said, like, invoking this goddess and um, what that feels like to kind of get that power. Hmm. So do you think you have enough songs to do a full-length album now, or are you going to do that maybe further down the line? It's something that'll happen a little bit further down the line. You know, I'm definitely working towards it. I think that it could happen 
fairly soon, you know, uh, especially if put in the studio and kind of, like I said, have the ability to do a little bit of collaboration to, to round out um, the material that is finished. Um, and it's a constant goal. I mean, uh, I've had a few people ask me, you know, are you, uh, is this like your methodology? Are you going to release just a single at a time because, um, you know, people don't buy full length albums as much. And I, I like my answer to that is always my, my methodology changes based on the resources that are available to me. And, um, you know, I'm an independent artist, so everything I do is self-funded. Everything I do is done entirely by me, by my own timelines. Um, and it's really important to me to put out something that's very, like, complete, you know, that has great art behind it, that has cool imagery behind it, that sounds the greatest level of production that I can possibly make it be. So um, if that means, you know, putting out a really great single as opposed to rushing to do an EP that's like not of that same quality, I'm going to choose the single. Hmm. It's interesting because like I, I got into music in the mid eighties. Like I'm, I'm 40, Mm -hmm. I'm 48 years old. So I've, I've come up with the album format and I, I can't stand people people who just two singles. And it's just, I'm like, I'm like, Oh no, I, I, because I like to have the body of work. Right, um, right. Now, some there was in the nineties when you could put seventy-five minutes of music on a CD, it went completely the other way, and then they put a lot of filler on it. But I'm I'm the right. guy. I'm Double the guy. Yeah, the I'm the guy. Just wants the ten or twelve songs, all top quality. But I do want an album. Right. Right. Um, well, uh, if you know anybody who would like to fund my album <laughs> I'll tell you what you send them my way okay I'll make sure that you get 12 songs <laughs> Linda do you do is music your full-time occupation do you like do you do do you do session work as well now with, with other bands? Uh, I, I have a I've occasionally done some uh work singing that's and that's actually how I wound up meeting um the producer Mitch Marlowe, who did the last uh, couple of songs that I did, um, just you know, singing some background vocals in the studio one day for a project for some um, an album that was going to be used for like a TV series. But uh, but no, I mean I hustle like most artists in the metal genre do, and you know, work every day. I bartend constantly. I you know, basically do what whatever projects I can to to get the rent paid. So, you know, I'm in a niche market. It's, I would love for it to be my full-time thing. I have not had the luxury of making that happen. Hmm. Is it, is it tough to stay positive because the market really for music, it's highly competitive now. Years ago, there was, there was the record labels would kind of funnel all the bands mm-hmm. truce and but now anybody can release music anywhere it's it's highly competitive mm-hmm. out there is it tough to stay positive in the business you know i mean i never really got to experience like the really awesome time of you know I'm, i know you talk to a lot of artists who've had really long time careers and um for them the measure of success is okay well i was once you know signed to a major label and i was m- making a lot of money and i was always touring on a bus and um, you know, I never got to experience that. Um, so maybe ignorance is bliss, but, um, I still, and this could be a naive statement, but I still really do have the mindset of 
if I'm making the best music I possibly can, and if it's something that I would really, really want to listen to, because that's the hardest thing, you know, you can make good music, but if you step back and say, I would actually love to listen to this, and I would listen to this over and over and over again myself, if I make music to that quality, like, I am a success. I just truly believe that, you know, and there's so many bands that I listen to that aren't usually popular, that maybe have like a cult following. Um, I know firsthand that members of the band are coming off a tour and, you know, they're right back to bartending or working a day job or doing freelance work just the way that I do. And their music isn't any less important to me. Um, in fact, it's far more important than artists out there that have sold hundreds of thousands or even millions of records. So, um, yeah, I mean, I stay positive because my measure of success really still is one that has a level of integrity to it, like artistic integrity. So, yeah, it's easier to stay positive when you focus on that. Hmm. One of the other things, of course, is you're, you're more in control of your own career. You just brought up 100%. there. You just brought up there that. I probably would have spoken to a lot of musicians that were on major labels and have had a long career and a lot of money. Believe you and me, a lot of them will tell you that it wasn't all cracked up to be back then, that they were in debt, they were in debt. Um, they ended up with next to nothing at the end of it. They had to sell their house and all that. So they weren't really in control of a lot of it. Whereas now, you're in control of it all. You can write when you write. You can you know, do your songs when you want to do them, release them whatever way you want. But do you, do you want to do you want to go with the, the route of a record label? Um, I would you know I would like at some point to basically have a little bit more support. And the biggest thing for me is you know it is there are so many people releasing things. It's hard to make a noise. Um, and look, I'm talking to you right now on your show, so it's it's a step towards being heard by more people. And I try to take those steps every day. Um, it is really, really difficult to get in front of people if you don't have the support of a label. Um, there are some people who just kind of make a noise and through social media or through, you know, their scene, whatever, that they, they manage to get hurt. That's the, those situations are few and far between. So, um, you know, I would like the support of a label. Um, if it's a label that's even supportive, though. I mean, I know a lot of people who've been signed by, and I obviously won't name names, but I know a lot of people who've been, personally been signed by labels in the past couple of years, and, you know, her album didn't even come out. At least my single got released, you know? Um, so I think if it was the right label um, that could actually understand the music and that could give the band some support and attention and that it was a really good symbiotic relationship then it's something I'm, I'm open to. Hmm. You mentioned Kickstarter. You use Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. did, that yeah. did that work well for you? Because earlier this year, you had the debacle with Pledge Music. Mm -hmm. uh, so did Kickstarter work for you? It worked for me, but I had a very, very uh, limited scope of a goal. I didn't go, I didn't start a Kickstarter and say like, okay, I need... $50,000 for this tour. I need $30,000 to make this record. I did Kickstarter. I need $5,000 to do a five-song EP, which, you know, anybody who's knows anything about music production, and, and that was with the fulfillment and everything to be sending people, you know, their T-shirts and their finished CDs and all this. I mean, that is a very small amount of money to ask for. But I really, um, 
you know, I was committed to making it work. So I asked for what I thought was actually feasible to gather from my fans. And then I got really creative with how I was able to fulfill it. I mean, the guitars on that first EP were recorded through an inbox in my living room. And then I rented a bunch of gear one day and, um, you know, basically reamped all the guitar signals with the guy who was engineering it. So, you know, I did a lot to cut corners and save money. All of the t-shirts that anybody got from that were hand screen printed by me. You know, I had ink all over me for like a week. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I was determined to make that budget work. And, you know, we still, I still had to put up quite a bit of my own money in order to make it happen. But I really just needed a little bit of support in order to make it stretch and make it work. Hmm. So do you think that's something you might use again in the future? I have to say I wouldn't use it again unless I was in a situation where I really had already built a strong enough fan base that I felt like, you know, if any everybody could just basically pledge like what they would spend on a CD anyway. Basically, if I had a big enough fan base that all it really would take was them pre-ordering a CD and buying a t-shirt to get there, I would do it. Um, I'm not in that position right now. Um, I do know some bands who've done it successfully that like have put out a couple records and then maybe their label didn't want to do the fourth record. And they said, screw it. I know our fans want to hear it anyway. And, you know, prove that to be the case. I think it works in those situations, but for like a relatively unknown band, it's kind of a one shot deal. It's like, you know, you ask for a little help to get started. And then I think it's kind of on you to make the rest happen. Mm. So have you had any interest from labels? Have you heard of any of them um, sniffing around? Yeah, a little bit. Nothing that I've been super um, excited about that I think would be quite right for the band. I do have my I do have my eye on a couple that I think might be that symbiotic relationship. Um, so that those those are definitely people that at some point this year I would like to approach. Hmm. So, Linda, do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Instagram, everybody uses now, um, and that's Marishi 10 Official. Um, and we're also on Facebook. Um, and then our YouTube channel has our new video on there, so that'd be great. And that's just YouTube.com and it's backslash Marishi 10. Uh, and you can go to our website, Marishi10.com, and then all the links are on there, too. Oh, so, you're everywhere. We're everywhere. <laughs> and Spotify and iTunes, like, that's one of the greatest things. If you're a fan and you listen to music on Spotify or iTunes, you know, getting us, adding us to your playlists and liking us on there, that's really helpful. Mm. Well, Linda, I'm going to leave you go. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I really yeah, like... likewise. I, I have to say, I really like the singles. So when they bring out an album, I'll be here to help promote it for you. All right, I love that. Thank you very much. I'll pick you up on it. All right, have a good rest of the day. Okay, you too. All right, bye. All right, that is going to be a wrap for this week. And again, you want to uh, support Marishi 10, go out and get that album and, uh, you know, again, support the artists that we have on the show. And definitely, you know, you know, hit uh, hit Linda up. Let them know where you, uh, where, you, where you heard about her and the band. And, uh, you know, let's, let's keep this whole thing of why the hell we even do this going. So any... Uh, any final words? Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. The Irishman is quiet. All right. Well, that will do it for this week of Focus on Metal. And uh, as I always say, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for myself and me, 
We'll uh, talk to you again next week. And until we do, remember. Focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.